Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this first performance of The Legend of St. Macald, a story that takes us back nearly 1,600 years and is one of the great legends of the Isle of Man. This afternoon, I'm delighted to be working with the Isle of Man Symphony Orchestra. A finer body of people could be found. Oh, I'm sorry, that seems to be a misprint. A finer body of people couldn't be found. So, let us start. I like to think of St Macald as the patron saint of the Isle of Man. Others may suggest St Bridget or St Ninian or even Peter Caron. But for me, Macald is special to the island and he's our very own saint. Even though he wasn't actually born here and he certainly wasn't very saint-like as a young man. In fact, he was quite the opposite. To start the story, we have to go back in time. Further than that. No, right back to the 5th century. Temper, temper. Not only do we have to go back nearly 1,600 years, but the story actually starts in another country altogether. In Ireland. At that time, Ireland was a pagan country. The light of Christianity was barely seen, and there were robbers and murderers and sheep stealers and tax dodgers and all sorts of bad types. And one of the worst was a man who lived in the north of Ireland, and his name was McCool. Thank you. 
Now, you might be wondering why I'm telling you about such a man in the story of St. Macald. Well, the extraordinary thing is that this tyrant, this thief, this murderer, this robber was St. Macald. Before he became a saint, of course. And this is his extraordinary story. We are told by Irish monks writing in later centuries that McCool was a truly evil man with no redeeming features and he led his followers along a path of wickedness, cruelly killing wayfarers as they passed. The monks tell us that his temper was angry. conscience vain, his deeds wicked, his life pagan, his thoughts were evil. His body given to sin. Actually, just the qualifications you need for a career in the church or politics. One day, he and his companions were sitting on a rocky outcrop. They were bored and looking for some amusement. Now, it wasn't making daisy chains that was going to entertain them. They were looking for something a little more edgy to give them a thrill. McCool had tried hitting one of his mates on the head with a big stick, but it didn't seem to make much difference, so he soon got bored with that. They'd boiled up some cow's hooves and tried sniffing it, but it wasn't very nice. Eventually, they were sitting back on the same rock when they suddenly heard a strange sound. It seemed to be coming from all around them, like singing and talking all at once. When they looked down the hillside, there, walking along the side of a stream, was a man entirely covered in light, shining as though with an inner glow. Although McCool didn't realize it, the man they were looking at was none other than St. Patrick himself, the bringer of Christianity to Ireland.
Now the wicked McCool had heard about this man. He was becoming known through the region for his preaching and his conversions. But McCool wasn't at all interested in God or anything like that. As far as he was concerned, this man was no more than a deceiver and trickster, and this annoyed McCool. For a brief moment, he considered knocking him on the head as well. But then he had a better idea, if his thoughts could be classed as ideas. He would play a trick. He would set a trap for this man of God to prove he was a charlatan, that his miracles were tricks and that his prayers were black magic. He hatched his plan. He said to one of his men, lie down and pretend to be mortally ill. I'll go and get that Patrick over here and see what he can do. He covered his mate with his cloak and went down to where Patrick was walking. At this point, he became very sarcastic and obsequious as he started to talk to the saint, saying, Oh, excuse me, one of my friends has fallen ill, and I've heard so much about your power. Will you come over and sing some of your incantations of your sect and heal him? Patrick, of course, knew precisely what they were up to. He walked up the hillside to where the men were and knelt down with his head close to the dying man's chest. A moment later he stood up and said, It doesn't surprise me that he was ill. I'm afraid I can't do anything for him. And he walked off. When McCool looked down at his companion, he found that he was dead. The robbers were gobsmacked. McCool realised what had happened. He'd been outwitted by the saint, who had real power over life and death. And he ran after him, throwing himself at his feet and begging forgiveness. You are truly a man of God, he said, and I have done wrong in trying to trick you. I confess I had planned to kill you. I will do whatever you tell me, if only you will bring my friend back to life. Patrick looked down at the trembling man and told him precisely what he should do. First, you must become baptised in the Holy Christian faith. Next, you must go to the seashore wearing nothing but a single garment. You must take none of your possessions, nor food, nor water. You must bind your feet with an iron chain and throw away the key. You must board a small boat made of a single animal skin and be ready to go wherever the wind and the sea shall carry you. Blimey, said McCool, I'm not really so sure I care that much about him. But Patrick said, God will judge you. At this, McCool did as the saint had instructed and went to the seashore and boarded the boat. Meanwhile, Patrick went to the dead man and raised him from death without pain, and he was restored to a full life. Meanwhile, the tiny boat that McCool was in started its precarious journey out into the Irish Sea, bound for he knew not where. The waves were deep and long, and the wind started to twirl the boat around like a leaf. 
the sky darkened, the seas grew higher, and before long, McCool found himself in a full-blown Irish sea gale. Eventually the storm faded, the sea became calm and McCool was glad that Patrick had told him not to eat anything because he would certainly have thrown the whole lot up. But where was he? As the morning light dawned, he could see cliffs towering above him and sea eagles were circling overhead. Weak with exhaustion and hunger, the gentle motion of the boat lulled him to sleep. And so he was found by two fishermen who carried him ashore and up the grassy slopes of a small bay to a monastery on the headland above. When McCool awoke, he was told he was on the Isle of Man, in the middle of the Irish Sea, and was safe in the small Christian community of Mackled. Now, just a small historical footnote, ladies and gentlemen. It's recorded that the Manx government of the day decided to buy the coracle and run the service between Mackled and Northern Ireland themselves. Apparently, it didn't go very well. Within just a couple of years, a committee selected from the wisest men of the nation was brought together to look into it. And in a recently discovered manuscript from the ancient monastery of Mackled, beautifully illustrated, scholars have noticed a small note scribbled in the margin of one of the pages. The monks often did that. And this one has written, Imperium Eubonium non possit sifunculum derigere. The Manx government couldn't run a tap. And so McCool lived there for many years. The man who had tried to trick and deceive a great saint and might even have killed him was now a devout Christian himself and he became a model for the other monks in the community. Eventually it was decided that McCool should become the next bishop of the Isle of Man and the day for the great ceremony was set. One thing to remember though is this. During all this time, the chains that bound McCool were still around his feet. The key he used to lock them, he'd thrown into the sea, and ever since he'd had to hobble around. But then, a miracle. The night before he was to be installed as bishop, 
and he was to abandon the name McCool with all its bad memories and take the name Mackled, a fisherman came to his door with a strange story. Now, of course, this was a Manx fisherman. He had one of those amazing arrangements with the monks. They had bought his boat for him. They bought his fish from him. And when it was too rough for him to put to sea, they paid him bad weather compensation for staying at home. But on this occasion, he had actually managed to catch a fish. And when he cut it open, there in its stomach was a key. It was this key that the fisherman brought to McCool's cell. And guess what? It fitted the lock that bound him in chains. At last, Mackled was free. He had paid his penance and been forgiven his sins. As later monks would point out, the fish is the symbol of Christianity and hidden in it is the key to your release from the chains of the world. And so that is the legend of St. Mackled as told by the monks in ancient time. The story of a wicked man who came to live amongst us and who became a pillar of Manx society. A man who repented his wicked ways and became a saint. <laughs>